Imagine your brain working at its highest capacity with reduced tension, depression, and anxiety, and a higher level of energy. You've got all cylinders firing, and you are ready to take on whatever comes your way. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Element is Everything podcast, where we discuss the science and practice of discovering and developing your element, that place where interests and talents collide to do great things for yourself and others. I'm Terry Novacek, and I look forward to sharing with you today an interview I had with best-selling author and doctor of psychiatry, John J. Rady, M.D., Dr. Rady is the author of the best-selling book, Spark, The Revolutionary New Science of Exercise and the Brain. If you're a regular listener, then you likely remember me talking about his work in a former episode. Dr. Rady also co-wrote Go Wild, in which he shared what he refers to as an evolution's rules for total health and well-being. This episode which will be part one of the interview, will focus on spark and exercise, with part two coming out at the end of the week and focusing on go wild and the other levers of wellness. Let's jump right in. Thank you so much for making the time. I'm really excited to to talk to you, and I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours because there's so many topics, but um, I'm going to try to narrow it down. Good. So what what are you? What is this? (laughs) Element Education is a nonprofit that runs two charter schools that operate throughout San Diego County. So one is a a K-8 Montessori that has five locations. And then the other one is a personalized learning hybrid program. Uh, There's also a homeschool track. um, And that's throughout the county as well. The idea behind finding your element, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sir Ken Robinson's work. Sure. Um, That's really what, where we got our name was just the idea of taking responsibility for your own learning and, and letting learning be natural. And, uh, and, and so that's where your work becomes important to us, especially in, in Spark. I think that well, we all know by the rates, the obesity rates and the depression and anxiety. And I mean, every, nobody will argue, you know, that, oh, I went and, ar- and exercised and I felt horrible, you know, um, <laughs> but yet we still don't do it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, there's, there's such resistance to even acknowledging what the benefits are for people, you know, like the University of Michigan has been studying what motivation will keep people at it? And their wisdom accumulated over many years of study is you have to acknowledge and remember how you feel the day that you exercise. In other words, don't look at it as a long-term project, like I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to get buff or I'm going to develop more endurance or whatever it is. Look at it oh, how do I feel right after I exercise in that day? And especially looking at whether you're more productive or you're more with it or you're more motivated, uh, all those things that we know happen 
after you exercise. It's that is the magic is to get people to acknowledge and remember so that that can be its own motivation. My journey is is a long one, but uh, and I hate to even think of that, but uh, it's been a long journey and especially when it comes to our topic today uh, exercise and i grew up being all sports western pennsylvania tough area steel mill father kind of blue collar grow up and uh, part of the job as a, as a kid was to develop a sport so you could go to college you could yeah. get a uh, scholarship. That was a that was the idea, uh, along with doing well in school. But anyway, so I played all the sports and then f- focused uh, eventually on tennis because no one else was doing it that time. <laughs> at that time, we became pretty good and played the nationals and then scholarship uh, to college and all that. So that's how I got into it, and I realized how important it was. And when I stopped exercising, I also realized how anxious and depressed I would get uh, or could get, um, especially breaking an arm and uh, didn't exercise for a while and then got back into it and realized, hey, I'm so much better when I exercise in every way, you know. And so then in medical school, there was this article in the throwaway journal about uh, a hospital in in Norway that at that time we had these wonderful new drugs called antidepressants that really worked uh, and everybody was using them and beginning to uh, this hospital in Norway taking in these depressed patients and they offered them the medicine or an exercise program and the results were the same for both so this put that germ in my head uh, that exercise was really, really important. Then and and throughout my training, I paid attention to that. And in psychiatry, it was even more important because of its antidepressant, anti-anxiety, anti-stress effects, and soon learned about its anti-addiction effects. Then came uh, the focus on ADHD and the effect of exercise on our attention system and our ability to learn. Our cog- not only the emotional benefits, but the cognitive benefits that we get from exercise. So all through my first couple decades as a, as a psychiatrist and writing books on the brain and how the brain works and for now four books on attention deficit disorder, always focusing eventually on the benefits of exercise, of physical exercise, to keep our brain running the best that it can. And then I discovered this school system in Naperville, Illinois, that takes up the first chapter of Spark. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe that this school existed, that they had this incredible group of PE teachers who revolutionized physical education as far as I was concerned, who looked to get their kids more fit, more physically fit. And with that came them being among the smartest kids in the world. 
on the various tests that they took, but the uh, Tim's test, uh, evaluating countries across the world on how they're doing in basically math and science. And uh, they came in number one in the world uh, science and number six in math, whereas the U.S. as a whole was in the late teens behind all the Asian countries in Finland. If I remember right, then they attribute that to their PE program, but it was also, was it zero hour or what did they call the? Yeah, you're, that's the first, the beginning of the first chapter. Zero hour, it was only one aspect of what they did. Zero hour was for those kids who had learning problems, reading problems to be specific, because they had a learning readiness course for ninth graders. And zero hour uh, was to have these kids come in an hour early to do uh, to do their PE class before they took their reading readiness course. It, it really was sort of a, a revolution to, in my mind to see that they, for instance, the reading readiness course, the kids that came into exercise before they took the course doubled their progress as compared to those that didn't participate. But the whole program at Naperville was was changed, not just that small area, but what they eventually evolved to, where 19,000 kids were going 45 minutes a day in fitness-based exercise. And that's where the magic was. Not only were they among the fittest in the country in terms of, at that point, the reason why I learned about them, because their obesity rate was almost nil, but their overweight scores were at 3%. And there are 19,000 kids in the district, all of whom were involved in this new PE program. You mentioned fitness-based exercise. What they did first, they had kids run, do calisthenics, work out, and then they added sport back into their program, but kept it so everybody was participating all the time, what they called small-sided sports. So there was two-on-two, three-on-three sports, and no one chose teams. It was all computer-generated every day. And what the one brilliant intervention a couple years into this was realizing that the really unathletic kids had to work harder, so they slept on these heart rate monitors and decided that you're going to get your grade by the amount of time you spend in your cardiac training zone. And this was remarkable because kids that looked like they were just dogging it, and yet their heart rate was way up in the cardiac training zone because these kids were basically not very fit, and the rise to being fit was important. And this is where the heart rate then became something that they measured as a way to evaluate kids. And what we found subsequent to that is that heart rate is a good measure of how much exercise you're doing in general, and you want to get your heart rate up to what's called the cardiac training zone if if you can, which is moderate to vigorous exercise. But even so, people that are just starting, they're going to get there pretty quick, you know, get, get to that level pretty quick because they're not fit. And as you develop your fitness, you get better and better and better and better. 
Well, it certainly makes more sense and would be more motivating than, you know, run a five minute mile. Exactly. Exactly. So that th- this is was the exact thought of these PE teachers who, who were doing it really to raise the level of fitness of their kids. And with that, at the same time, then introduce sport and all the other facets of physical education so that eventually when I came on the scene like 10, 12 years into their revolution, basically, they were winning state titles in different sports because they had more athletes to choose from. So because all the kids were fit, they were all part of this program to increase their endurance, increase their muscle mass, increase their strength, and as, as well as coordination, thinking on the move kind of thing that sport gives you. So it, it, it really led to uh, the huge change in this school. And, you know, I spent the first chapter talking about the wonders of Naperville because it was really a game changer for me. And so your practice was in psychiatry? Yes, I'm a psychiatrist. Still is. And I know that you have done a lot of work with addiction and violence and ADD. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. I started out treating the most aggressive people in the world, uh, in the hospitals and in the prisons and so forth. And then I led, led me to ADD because most of these kids and adults even were had a history of learning problems. And so would you prescribe exercise? Absolutely. In, in, our, in our ADD books, we, we praise exercise. There's all kinds of stuff to do for someone with attention deficit disorder, but um, medicine, structure, understanding, uh, getting people to find their element, if you will, find their best self and, and go with it. But along with all that is exercise, physical movement, balance, coordination. So think yoga. Think best exercise perhaps is dance. When you think of all the benefits to the brain of dance, huge. And and then you think of martial arts, certainly tumbling, uh, uh, and then running, walking, biking, swimming, sailing, surfing for where you guys are at. Oh, yeah. my God. What a wonderful sport that is for the brain. Oh, Lord. Um, I know in Go Wild, you, you talk a lot about, you know, being out in the wild and you, you guys have that wonderful story of running on the mountain. And I think that that's really appealing to a certain crowd, like somebody like me, I read that and I think, oh, that's great. But I know that there's people that would read that and think that is not the least bit interesting to me. That would be like somebody telling me, hey, let's sit down and play video games for two hours. So the difference being is being outdoors and getting the exercise is actually healthier for you. What have you found to be helpful when you're working with people that are not naturally drawn to that? Well, that's a very important question. The the trail running is great if you're an outdoors exerciser. You know, then you then you can appreciate that. But what I think is so important for the general populace 
is for them to be aware of the effect of any exercise on the brain. And so that's why I say, well, a big motivator is reading Spark and and seeing all the things that uh, the effects of exercise on the brain, on our hormones, on our neurotransmitters, on our brain cells. And when people begin to see that and say, oh, this is why it feels so different after I've exercised. And it doesn't take much. You know, I mean, a 10-minute walk and people come back and they're less stressed. Or jump rope, which is a hugely wonderful exercise. Oh, my God. Very important for kids and, and adults, but kids for sure. Because it's a quick way to get your heart rate up, to get to challenge your coordination and your balance and rhythm and all that, there's probably no better way to spend five minutes than jumping rope. I know with uh, smartwatches these days, I believe all of them have the capability, and if they don't, there's apps that can measure heart rate. Do you know much about them? Are they accurate? Is it worth it? Is it motivating? Well, I can show you mine right (laughs) here. (laughs) My Fitbit. Um, well, back when we wrote Spark and starting there, it, there was the Garmin and the Polar watches. That's what we had. They were very expensive. And now you can get a heart rate monitor for your wrist for about 10 bucks, I think, or, you know, if to get the bare bones. But even, the, even this Fitbit, which I found to be better than the Apple Watch when I, got an Apple Watch for a while, the, uh, in terms of heart rate monitoring, it took a while for the uh, Apple Watch to get to see the change, whereas this Fitbit is really quick. And it's less than $100, this Fitbit. And it, it does all the fitness things. It evaluates your heart rate or, or monitors your heart rate and your step count and all that and while you're awake while you're moving so it gives you how many steps you've done today and you put it into your ever-present phone that that then stores it and lets you see how you did today versus yesterday etc also measures your sleep time and all that i mean it's wonderful it's amazing it's an amazing tool and are they accurate close they're close close enough you know? Yeah, that's all you need. You don't need, uh, most people don't need that kind of precision, and you know, but it, they're very close. Now, anxiety, is that is that something you've worked a lot with? Yes, very much. I uh, feel like that, and maybe that's just in my world, but um, especially after COVID, I'm, I'm just seeing higher rates of it in, in not only children, but adults. Sure. Yeah, COVID has really changed our world and uh, made us more sedentary. You know, I think in general, that's what's happened. More computer addicted, not that we weren't before, but we're now even more so. Like now we're talking on Zoom rather than on a, you know, face-to-face or in the same space. But this has led to a couple things. One, we're not as physically connected to one to another, which is hugely important in all of our books, along with exercise. In fact, even before exercise, 
being connected to another person, being involved socially with another group or another person is probably the pinnacle of, of health promotion. But along with that is, is movement and moving to reduce anxiety. I mean, in, in Spark, the second chapter is on stress and how exercise really works to help us deal with stress, how it changes our brain. If you do it, if you exercise chronically, and I use that word, but on a regular basis, if you exercise, your brain will change. Your brain changes immediately when you exercise, but if you do it as a habit, your brain will be different. Uh, you will have different groups of nerve cells that are more populous, that that uh, have more more they're they're more vigorous, so that this will eventually lead to you being more resistant to stressors. You won't get stressed by the same threat that you were before. It'll be harder to get you into that anxious state, which precedes the fight or flight state or the panic state. It, it, takes, it takes a greater stressor to get you there. Again, in, in my book, third chapter, I think is on depression and how exercise <clears throat> really is an antidepressant and why looking at the change in, in hormones, the change in our neurotransmitters, that a bout of exercise is like taking a little bit of Ritalin and a little bit of Prozac because they do the same thing. It elevates those neurotransmitters that our antidepressants and our stimulants raise. And this then leads to a better mood, a, a better focus, and a better feeling of ease. You're more at ease with yourself after you exercise. You're more at ease with yourself. Wow, sign me up. I remember a commercial in the 1970s with a catchy little tune. It was so catchy that I still remember it. It went something like this. Be wise, exercise, move around, have some fun. Don't sit like a stone, get your muscles in tone. Move it and you'll feel better. So why am I torturing you with this song? Just to demonstrate that the science of the human body remains the same when it comes to exercise. I tried to find the commercial on the internet so I wouldn't have to sing it. But I did find others from the same era sharing the positive effects of exercise. So that was the 1970s. Fast forward to Spark, written in 2008. New technology such as Fitbits and MRIs come on the scene, and they continue to support the science that says moving your body improves your brain. You'll find a 2021 article in our show notes from Harvard Education that supports the benefits of exercise on the brain. Still today, advances in neuroimaging support what those commercials of the 1970s were trying to convey. Move it and you'll feel better. Nothing makes you feel like you feel with exercise except 
exercise. As Dr. Rady puts it, it's like a little bit of Ritalin and a little bit of Prozac. But here's why it is so much better. You don't have to rely on a doctor. You don't have to worry about missing a dose or taking your pills with you everywhere you go so you can stay on schedule. You don't have the side effects, the headache, the dry mouth, insomnia, change in appetite, feeling sick or dizzy. In fact, you feel the opposite. Like any habit, you have to lay out a reasonable plan. If you're feeling motivated by what is being said here today and you're not physically fit, do not go out and run a mile. Start with a walk, move up to a jog, and so forth. You can reap the short-term benefits of improved energy and focus with as little as five minutes of exercise a day. Everyone can find five minutes in their schedule. And with so many free resources available on the internet, we can have an exercise coach in our living room every day. There are programs for kids that you can put on while getting some work done and programs for adults you can do before the kids get up in the morning. Remember how you feel the day you exercise. Remember how your child feels and behaves after exercise. Use that as your motivation to keep it up. And remember, every step you take, every move you make, can bring you closer to your element.